welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. Welcome everyone to the She Talks Health podcast. I'm so excited for a solo episode. This is definitely going to be more in the educational realm today, like a pod class, if so to speak. And today the topic is going to be excessive estrogen. So we did a podcast a little while ago about low estrogen and symptoms and causes, what to look out for. And this is going to be the opposite. Now, this hormone imbalance is probably the most common hormone imbalance that I see in practice. And when I go through the symptoms in a second, you'll probably be like, oh, yes, I remember I have this or I have that. And that sounds familiar. And that is it's just a very, very common imbalance. And the reasons behind it, I'll go into later in the pod class slash podcast. (laughs) And I'll go through through that. And you might see why it's so common. And and I think the reason is because some of the causes are so commonly found in our diet, in our lifestyle, especially in modern lifestyle. And so let's dive right in. So we'll just go first through the symptoms. So someone who has excessive estrogen may feel a lot of PMS symptoms. And this is just your friendly reminder that PMS is not normal. It's common, but it is not normal. So if you have PMS, that means there is an imbalance that needs to be looked at and addressed. Okay. Heavy or irregular menstrual cycles can also mean and be a sign of high estrogen. A really big one that I hear from so many women is fluid retention and bloating. This can be abdominal bloating um, and in the in the area around your uterus, especially in the days leading up to menstruation. Another really big one is breast tenderness. I would say that this one almost always comes when I have somebody who has a estrogen dominant or excessive estrogen pattern. Um, I see it all the time. 
So that kind of swelling of the breast, the breast tenderness before your cycle. Another really big one is weight gain. A lot of people will hold on to weight if they have estrogen access. Um, brain fog, so foggy thinking, not being able to think clearly or losing words. Headaches, that's a really big one. Headaches and migraines are really uh, closely associated with swings in estrogen, either too low, too high, or just the actual going back and forth. Mood swings, everyone knows this kind of ties into PMS. So that depression or that weepy emotional feeling, even irritability, right? Um, those can all be kind of put under the mood swing category. I had a client who uh, we interviewed on the podcast, Jennifer Vargas, and she was talking about how before she worked with us, she had two weeks worth of um, mood swings and kind of low mood. And you know, she just knew like it was, she, I think she called it like the dooms, the dooms area, like <laughs> dooms weeks that were coming for her. And every single month for two weeks out of her month, so half of her month, half her life, she was having these crazy mood swings. And when we addressed the estrogen excess, then we were able to see a huge shift in her mood and in her estrogen dominant symptoms, which is really exciting. Um, okay, so low libido can be um, one that is is common. I've also seen it the opposite way. FYI, but um, it kind of depends on the person. Sleep disturbances. um, So insomnia issues, trouble with sleep. Sugar cravings is a big one. Um, Histamine intolerance. I talk about this connection in an episode on the podcast about histamine. So definitely go back and and check that one out um, because that's a really, really big one that gets missed a lot. But estrogen and histamine have a very correlative connection. And so when estrogen goes high, so does histamine. When histamine goes high, so does estrogen. And it can cause a lot of really frustrating symptoms. Well, a big one is actually going to be like menstrual migraines and things like that. But episode 44 of the podcast talks about the histamine, estrogen, and PMS connection. So go check that out. Okay. So we have all of that. We have the uterine fibroids we know is directly linked to estrogen. Now, endometriosis is sometimes exasperated by estrogen in some cases, but more research that's coming out about endometriosis is talking about it more as an autoimmune or inflammatory condition. And thyroid issues, so thyroid will slow things down, they have clearance issues with estrogen. And so when we have a sluggish thyroid, we often also have estrogen dominance. They kind of go together like in a really lovely soup for women who are just in for a a true treat with between all the symptoms I just went through and then all the thyroid symptoms that you guys know probably all about because I talk about thyroid all the time on this podcast. Um, Now we can also have blood sugar imbalances. We can have um, gallbladder issues. So there is a lot to do with the estrogen uh, symptom categories and how it can impact all these different areas of our physical and emotional health. So if any of that sounded like you, it's possible that you have estrogen dominance or estrogen excess or an imbalance of too much estrogen in relationship to progesterone. But as always, we test and we don't guess. And I hope that as I go through the reasons behind this excess estrogen, you'll see how important it is to actually test and not guess. Because if we are guessing, we are going to spin our wheels. We are going to probably spend a whole bunch of money on things that aren't necessary. 
and we could be addressing it from the wrong angle. Okay. So um, let's first address the idea of quote estrogen dominance. Now, a lot of people in the functional medicine world don't even like that phrase. They prefer estrogen excess. And I think the main reason is that it is almost always or is always in relationship to your progesterone levels. So you've this two big sex hormones that are really running your cycle in a lot of ways. You've got, and we have podcasts all about the estrogen and progesterone, their benefits and how that works. But just a brief recap is that estrogen is really the the key hormone in the first half of your cycle leading up to ovulation. We ovulate and then progesterone takes over. And so estrogen excess or estrogen dominance, whatever you want to call it, often occurs in that second half of the cycle where it's supposed to be lower amounts in comparison to progesterone. And so when we have this excessive amount of estrogen in relationship to progesterone, we often have a lot of those symptoms because progesterone is there to really balance and counteract the estrogen. Okay. And that's also why, you know, for example, like Jennifer explained, it was the last two weeks of her cycle in the luteal phase after ovulation that she was having these symptoms. So it wasn't all month long, but it was after she was supposed to be really having less estrogen, but it was sticking around for too, too long. So just knowing that this can be also cyclical might help you identify patterns and bring that to your provider. All right. So let's dive right into the reasons for excessive estrogen. I mean, this probably goes without saying, but some people will supplement with estrogen, especially if they are perimenopausal or postmenopausal. Um, and so if you are taking supplemental estrogen, this of course can go too far, right? And we always want to be working with our provider and retesting and making sure our estrogen is kind of creating an abundance that could contribute to this excess of estrogen, right? So just keep that in mind. Now, there is a lot of debate about soy. I mention it here because I think it's important for you to do your own research. Now, there are some people that say soy does not impact estrogen at all, or it can even be beneficial. There are other people who say it directly increases overall estrogen in the body and it can exaggerate imbalances. I have seen the latter be true. I've I've seen um, that soy was one of the components of overall high estrogen, or at least even though we can't. So so like in a client, I would see that they were eating a lot of soy and then we would test their estrogen and it would be high. And then we would reduce the soy and then we would see the estrogen come down. But we were also doing other things besides that. So we can't just completely blame a food, all right? So we have to be a little bit more pragmatic about this. But it is something to consider, especially because of the high processing of soy, right? So maybe like tempeh and, you know, things like edamame might be fine, but maybe the more processing, the processed soy could lead to this high kind of phytoestrogen consumption that could increase overall estrogen in the body, okay? So something to be aware of if, if soy is a huge, huge part of your diet and you're experiencing these symptoms, something to play around with potentially. And then the other really big one, and this is like our modern lifestyle that just really does not set women up for, and men, honestly, I mean, men can have excessive estrogen as well, right? It's not just women, but xenoestrogen exposures. So xenoestrogens are human-made chemicals. They have an estrogen-like activity in the body. So they mimic the effects of estrogen by binding to our estrogen receptor sites, and they prevent naturally producing produced estrogens from 
binding to those sites. So imagine your your ovaries that you're they're creating, you're creating all of these estrogens, like these normal healthy estrogens, but you're getting exposed to these xenoestrogens that are blocking the ability for your natural hormones to bind. And so where does it go? Well, it's just now it's in abundance, right? An abundance in your body. And so now we have this excessive amount of estrogen floating around. So some examples of xenoestrogens are plastics, pesticides, and body care products. We have a couple of episodes about clean products. I would definitely recommend going to check those out and, you know, starting the journey of non-toxic living as much as you can, because quite frankly, we do live in like really toxic soup, right? Um, So if we can do our parts to use less plastic, to eat organic, to buy um, household and body care products that are not xenoestrogens, uh, having xenoestrogens in them, it can really make a huge difference in how we feel over time. Okay. So the fourth uh, main thing that we see, and this is something you could potentially ask your gynecologist or even your primary care physician for is low sex hormone binding globulin. Say that one more time. Low sex hormone binding globulin or SHBG. Now, um, when there is a low amount of this binding globulin, there is going to be a high amount of free estrogen available to bind to receptor sites. Okay. So common causes of L, uh, low sex hormone binding globulin could be hypothyroidism, insulin resistance, PCOS, obesity. I've even seen it um, in a reaction to a hormonal birth control, right? Because we take medication and then we're coming off of it and can have this kind of rebound effect. So just something to look into, potentially something to, again, ask a physician about running that, um, you know, blood chemistry. Also knowing that then again, what's the cause of that, right? So addressing the hypothyroidism, addressing the insulin resistance, addressing and supporting your PCOS, addressing and supporting obesity um, can then have that impact of balancing out the sex hormone binding globulin that's going to also release that excessive amount of free estrogen, okay? So that is just one um, kind of rabbit trail to go down. Now, um, here are some ones that I think are I don't want to say they're even bigger because everyone has a different potential reason for this excessive estrogen. But I find in practice that these are the ones that I see the most. So we have poor elimination, sluggish liver, and poor bile production. We also have low fiber in the diet. So and gut dysbiosis. So we're really talking about digestion here. We're talking about gut, liver, gallbladder, you know, um, and and food. And so let's break each of these down. So the first one being poor elimination. So quite literally, if you're constipated and constipation, I would define as, you know, not having a bowel movement every day. So we want to have at least one bowel movement a day. Then the estrogen that should have been eliminated in the stool, it will not be, and it'll be recirculated. So when I have a client that comes in and they're like, oh yeah, you know, I, I only go to the bathroom like a couple of times a week. I'm like, okay, hold the phone. We've, we're starting there because it automatically tells me this person is likely very toxic with many things, including excessive estrogen. And it never fails, right? Never fails because we have a estrogen kind of audit on our intake form for clients to fill out. And what do you find? They have, you know, all of the like 15 symptoms of estrogen excess, and then it directly correlates to constipation. And when we get them pooping, their estrogen dominant symptoms go away. All right. So working on that digestion, super, super, super important, almost first step for me when I'm working with somebody. The next part is the liver. So liver, our liver is amazing. It clears many things, many toxins 
including excessive hormones like estrogen. So if the liver is sluggish, we might have problems eliminating that estrogen, right? So oftentimes, high estrogen can be a a metabolism problem rather than the result of just creating too much estrogen. All right. So my favorite test for this is the Dutch test. I love this test because it not only shows you your total estrogens and there's three different estrogens that they measure, but they also tell you how are you, how is your liver doing? How is your liver working to eliminate this love, these levels of estrogen, right? And so, for example, if you see that, you know, there's a lot of estrone and estradiol on the, on the Dutch test and that they're really high and yet the 2-OH metabolite is not quite as high, that would indicate that that person is having a sluggish liver problem, right? In phase one of liver detoxification. So that, that could really lead to a recirculation of estrogen. It's easier for me to explain this on um, showing you on a diagram, but hopefully that, that makes sense. So we make the estrogen and then it has to be filtered through the liver and then through the gut. And so there are a couple of steps in the liver detoxification part process and phase one or phase two being sluggish could lead to this kind of rebounding effect of, of, of higher estrogen levels being in circulation. All right. And so then right next to the liver, Um, and, And right next to the importance of that, we've got bile production. So poor bile production... Um, is going to be a problem because bile is how we one of the major ways we detox. So we have um, these fat soluble substances like toxins and hormones, and we have to push them out of the body through the bile. And that's how they're eliminated. One of the ways they're eliminated through the stool. So if our bile production is inadequate, then detox is impaired and toxins and estrogen will recirculate in the body. On top of that, we have people not eating enough fiber. <laughs> so I know you always hear this, right? Like, oh, a low, you know, a low fiber diet, not good for you. Well, there is real reason. If we are not eating enough soluble fiber, the hormones and toxins that should be eliminated via the stool will get reabsorbed in the bloodstream. And instead of being replaced with fresh bile from the liver, they will just reabsorb. So fiber binds the bile and ensuring this fiber is bound to the bile will bind up all those toxins and it'll leave the body in the bowel movement. Okay. So we got to have good bile production, lots of good, good fiber, and we've got to have our liver working properly and we've got to be pooping. All right. And so speaking of pooping, (laughs) there's a thing that you've heard on this podcast many times called gut dysbiosis. We've talked about the astrobolome. So if you're ever want a super deep dive on that, we have an episode all about um, how your poop impacts your estrogen. And that is a really important one to to listen to because this is just as important as the liver, for example. Okay. And so if we have this overgrowth of the bad bacteria, it can also keep that estrogen in circulation. So here you are, you you know, let's just paint a picture. You you don't get as much exposure to those xenoestrogens. Like you you don't have plastics in your life. You know, you're you have really clean body products. You're making that estrogen normally from from your uh, ovaries. Your liver's working great. Your bile's working great. You have enough fiber in your diet, and then you get to the stool, and the bacteria in your guts 
that are overgrowing will literally unpackage everything that the liver did and recirculate that estrogen right back into circulation. And so in this way, we have to look at a GI maps and see if you have elevated levels of something called beta-glucuronidase, B-glucuronidase. And this is going to tell us if that is the part of the process where the estrogen is getting stuck. Okay. So gut dysbiosis, huge contributor to estrogen excess. And in the case of my client who I was telling you about and who was on the podcast, Jennifer Vargas, her biggest issue was the beta-glucuronidase. That's what was keeping estrogen in, in a circulation. All right. So a couple of other things to mention in terms of causes, high androgens or male sex hormones, they're aromatized into estrogen. So if our androgens are high, then our estrogens could also be high as a result. So it's always, it's also something we can see on the Dutch test. Okay. And then stress. Stress will definitely increase cortisol, which can have this negative effect on estrogens. So we know this. I mean, stress is just such a huge part of the hormone process. And we really do have to figure out ways to deal with and manage stress because we're always going to have these stressors in our lives, right? Like we can't just completely eliminate them. Um, So please, please, you know, keep in mind that if you've kind of done everything, you know, I hear this from women all the time, like I've done everything perfectly. I eat well, all this stuff but you haven't addressed, you know, the stress in your life and come up with ways to support yourself in that way, you will not balance your hormones. Period. End of story. You cannot balance your hormones with too much stre- with all the stress in your life. It's just not possible. <laughs> um so we have to work on this. Okay, and then then the last one that's very important is inflammation. So inflammation will 100%, you know, increase estrogen levels. Um And the main three ways I see inflammation happen in the body with my clients is foods that are causing inflammation, pathogens like gut bugs, like parasites and yeasts, and then toxins. Okay. So toxins like pesticides, xenoestrogens, mercury, mold toxins, that kind of thing, mycotoxins. So addressing the root of the inflammation from those three areas is going to potentially result in less excessive estrogen. (laughs) Say that three times fast. Okay. So um, another thing to note on this is if you are running a Dutch test and you're working with me or another practitioner and you're running a Dutch test, if all of the sex hormones are elevated, that's often a sign of that inflammation. And so we got to do deeper work on the food part, the pathogen part and the toxin part. Okay, that was a ton. Save this episode. Listen to it again. Um, Those are all the areas that I think of when someone comes in with estrogen excess. And as you can see, this is not like your estrogen didn't just decide one day. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to stop, you know, working, right? There are a lot of reasons for this. And I haven't even like necessarily talked. I mean, all these reasons could also cause low progesterone, but we have to look at that balance, right? So if you could have perfectly normal estrogen, right, but have really low progesterone in relationship to it. And so another big reason we would have this, though, is inflammation and stress. So if we are addressing those, oftentimes that progesterone will boost right back up. And that's the that's the solve. That's the thing that we need to solve for is actually supporting your progesterone, not decreasing your estrogen, right? So um, these are all the things I think about as a practitioner. When I have someone who comes in with all these different types of symptoms, I'm like, let's run a GI maps. Maybe we run a Dutch test or we just 
work on, you know, what are the foods that are causing inflammation? Do you have gut pathogens? Are you exposed to xenoestrogens? Um, can you um, eat a little less soy perhaps and see if that shifts things? Um, we'll think about how can we manage stress, right? How can we get bile moving and how can we get fiber in the diet? So these are all the things we think through um, when we're working um, with somebody about their symptoms, right? Like how can we really help you to support your body and be in partnership with somebody to see if these different things will support them? And nine times out of 10, we it works, right? Um, it, it works if you work it, they say. So I hope that this has been extremely helpful. Know that this is not Um, if you're, if you're guessing at it and you don't have the labs, it's going to take longer. Potentially you won't find the solution because you might have something like a parasite that needs to be eliminated. So please, please, please take that into account when you're thinking about this, but there's definitely some good lifestyle things in here that you can start on your own. And that's the whole point of the education is to inspire and educate you. And if you're needing deeper support, you know, you can always reach out. You just go to shetalkshealth.com and go to the contact page and fill out the application to work with us. Okay. But there are, there's a lot here working on stress, working on digestion, working on, um, fiber, working on inflammation, all of those different areas and see what moves the needle for you as an individual. All right. All right, ladies, we will see you on the next She Talks Health podcast in a few weeks. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.